All right. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to our discussion of the Tolkien film. So we have, uh, this is our third session. Where we've been talking, we did one for each of the uh, the two trailers uh, in anticipation of this. And uh, now, of course, we want to uh, discuss the film itself now that it's been out for a little bit and everyone's had uh, a chance to see it, hopefully. Um, if not, pause and go see it and then come back. I'd say spoilers, but we have years and years of information about yeah. Tolkien's life. So if you think there's spoilers, you're missing out on something somewhere else. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There's no. Um, um, yeah. No. So so it's all it's all good. So. Um, I would be happy to. So, for those of you who are familiar with uh, with how this works, um, we've got uh, the. Oh, hang on a second. Speaking, of being familiar with how this works. So, I'm just realizing that I'm having a small. There's my question yeah. box. My question box was hiding from me, and I had to recover it, and now I've recovered it. And there we go. Okay. Um, so. Sorry, my question box is still hiding from me. Where did it go? I don't know. Uh, um, you guys are used to it. Talk amongst yourselves for a minute. Good grief. <laughs> okay. All right. There we go. Phew. All right. Uh, no, never mind. I'm just going to change my approach here. Oh, dear. For some reason, things keep shifting around on me. No problem. <laughs> different tack and we will be fine. This is primarily for the, I know like people who are watching on GoToWebinar are like, what's happening? I don't see any change whatsoever, but uh, the people who are watching on Twitch and on the recording certainly will as I'm trying to get things on the correct display so that I can actually see your questions. All right. Oh, I don't want Twitch open. I should do that, shouldn't I? Oh, it's all good. Um, yeah, my question box is being very, was uh, being very, very stubborn. Okay, um, so, Quick so as I was saying before I got interrupted when I noticed my questions box had disappeared, put comments in the questions box. If you have any, I, I would really love to hear feedback. I'd love to, you know, I, you know, not only give our, you know, we, we want to not only give our own reactions, but, you know, respond to questions or issues or concerns that you guys had. Um, uh, I'm going to say right off the top, and I'm also looking at the Twitch chat as well, by the way, for those of you who are on Twitch. So I've got both of those open. That one's behaving. Um, quick reactions i loved this movie like i i loved it i i i can't even believe it i cannot i i've been spending weeks trying to wrap my brain around the fact that i love this movie i can't like like you weren't allowed to holy cow if you, I get, it's like one of those things right if you had told me six months ago that i was going to love the tolkien you know a, a biopic i'd be like you must be insane. That is never going to happen. Um, but it did. I, I mean, I, I'm not saying there's nothing to criticize, you know, I'm not saying that, that it's, um, perfect in every way, but I thought it was, I thought it was a great film. I, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I thought, you know, I, I mean, it was, I, I, I am stunned, stunned. At, you know, I mean, <laughs> You know, Maggie, in our discussions before, I was talking about how like my, my dread was slightly decreasing, right? But that yeah. was uh, yeah. But you were still super tentative, you know. I it, was. It, it's a carefully optimistic, and now you're just whole hog fanning out. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, now, Tomas, that was one of the things. That, of course, I've heard many people say. You know, one one like very in, immediate reaction to seeing the film and where it ended. You know, I heard people being like, "Oh, you know, I was really disappointed that we got no inklings, right? We, you know, we, but like obviously." They weren't talking about that part of his life. It's a really different chapter in his life, yes. many years after this part. I feel like uh, I had to split yeah. it up a bit, where I, I had like my immediate reaction, and then anytime I've looked at a film, I've always done what I liked, what I do differently, you know? So like, mm -hmm. maybe we want to structure it that way, of just like, yeah, the immediate reaction, I was the same as you, super entertained, really enjoyed it. Quite a few bits were a little too on the nose for me, and made me roll my eyes a little, and we could go through those, but in general, like I was weeping at the end. I absolutely oh loved it. You know, oh, some of those man. shots were beautiful. I know in my notes, like I wrote down on, you can see how messy these are in the dark <laughs> theater. I was writing notes and at the very end, it just says Jeffrey's poems, all the crying. All the, oh my goodness. <laughs> oh, the first time I saw the film, the oh. scene with Tolkien and, and Smith's mom. Oh man. Oh I my God. Like a, during, 
me. <laughs> I don't know if I can talk about it yet. <laughs> Holy cow! Yeah, yeah. No, I mean it was it was it was it was very moving. It was very moving. Yeah, yeah and it, it really hit all the emotional points that you want it to. You know, you you connect with this young Tolkien. I think the way they played his mother as the like inspired storyteller and, yeah. and keeping him thinking, keeping him dreaming, that was really beautiful. And losing yeah. her so early, and I mean that that whole introduction to the Tolkien that we know was a really well handled, really lovely. And yeah, I will get. I'm like t I'm too overwhelmed already. How do we want to structure it? <laughs> Go from the beginning to the end, or talk about emotional cores, or start crying again? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's first. Let's. I feel like the. Well, I don't know whether we should necessarily begin with this, but I feel like the biggest issues that I've heard are the biggest kind of concerns that sort of the largest issues to address are essentially what's in the movie and what's not in the movie. Basically, mm. I heard I heard many fewer um, uh, objections to like specific things that happen mm. in the film. Right. I mean, I'm not saying there are none of those, but the, 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 the biggest questions, the biggest concerns I had for, uh, you know, I've heard from people have been those like, why didn't they talk about this? Why is this not in there? Uh, yeah. Kind of uh, uh, kind of things. <clears throat> so kind of thinking about the really big picture first, you know, the overall kind of uh, dominant guiding choices of the film before we start talking about individual elements through maybe would make sense. But so, so that first one with the Inklings thing, right? Um, one of the, and actually I think this was something that uh, uh, Brenton Dickinson said. And by the way, uh, I really, really enjoy. So I, I, a general plug for Brenton's blog, A Pilgrim in Narnia, a really, really good blog. Um, and he's had some really smart things to say about the about the Tolkien film, uh, which he also really liked. And uh, one of the one of the things that he said, which really I. I hadn't been thinking of it in those terms, but as soon as he said it, I'm like, yeah, that's exactly right. He said a lot of people seem to be mistake, like mistaking the genre here. Like this is not a documentary on Tolkien's life. Right. This is a biopic, right? This is a, right. this is, and that's a different thing. Like they are telling a particular story. They are dramatizing things in a particular, they're trying to depict Indeed. elements of his life. It's not a documentary. Yeah. It's not designed to sort of march you through the history of Tolkien's life. And so people who are like, oh, but they skipped all these things or they, you know, they changed, they, they weren't exactly true to the chronology or they, you know, like they, why, why did they stop right at that point? Because that was yeah. the story. Um, in our, uh, when I got together with a couple New England folks here and we saw the, the movie together and then talked afterwards, I'm forgetting now which one of them said this, unfortunately, but, um, uh, but one of the things that, uh, that one of the folks was saying is that he was characterizing the film. He said, really, it's an origin story. Right, you know, it's sort of like a like a how he got his superpowers kind of kind of story, you know, and I, I, I that seems to me right, you know, the way that it goes up to builds up to the, you know, the, we end with the first line of the Hobbit because you know that's that's the point of the film is to show what formed him, how did he get there, uh, and that that's a totally different thing from documentary of Tolkien's life. Yeah, and in terms of, of a film adaptation and creating a, a 90 minute or, you know, 95 minute, because I think this is 93 minutes, it's like bang on an hour and a half. Um, in terms of creating something that structured, you have to make some pretty significant decisions about what to keep and what to get rid of. So I have yeah. this talk a lot when I do lectures on adaptation because you're taking, you know, a 600 page text and turning it into maybe two hours maximum of film and, yeah. you know, a minute on film is a page of text, but you can't have that long. So most scripts are 90 to 110 pages. So all this stuff about bringing it down. And I know when I was working on the Harry Potter stuff, they kept talking about all the things that were missed out. We missed spew. We missed, you know, all these lovely moments that of course we love as readers. But if you mm -hmm. have all that on screen, you're going to have a nine hour Harry Potter film, which I'm totally on board with, but the tickets would be like a hundred pounds each. Um, <laughs> so that's not going to happen. So you have to make these decisions. And they they said for Harry Potter, they chose the lens as Harry. So Harry was the lens. Anything that happened on screen was exactly what immediately affected Harry's story. So I kept thinking about this with the Tolkien film. And I think the lens has to be the growth of Tolkien and the relationship with Edith. And, which is funny because so much of it is about his friends, but his relationship with Edith is what got to the Tolkien that we know. She pushed him on, she enabled the story. Mm -hmm. She did so much work copying his stuff over and, and making those those works happen. 
Yes. That that wouldn't have happened without him growing up into the person he was because of his friends. So all of it had right. to lead right. into this. Yeah. So to, so for me, the lens and yes, we missed out on a lot of stuff, but it had to affect Edith and Tolkien or we wouldn't get it. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. And they did. I thought they did an amazing number of things in the mm. scope that they had. You know, I mean, again, a lot of people want to talk. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people want to talk about the stuff that they didn't cover, but goodness, the stuff that they did cover. I mean, the the from the trailers, I was expecting that they would, you know, do try to do justice to his relationship with Edith and make that, you know, a, a good story, which they did. I also was, you know, it's also was pretty clear that they were going to focus on his relationship with the TCBS and 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 make that into a, a full and good story, which they did. Then on top of that, they did much more with his language and language development mm. through the relationship with of Joseph Wright and also like that wonderful conversation with Edith in the restaurant where we mm. begin to get a glimpse of the link between language and story and, and, and of course the connections between the conversation with Edith earlier and the conversation with Joseph Wright later. Um, so I mean, his relationship with language and how, how stories emerge from language, like that was a plot line I never, never, never guessed that they were going to attempt. And they did. And how they and how they used those opportunities to build other stuff. So like it wasn't like let's have a completely unrelated conversation where we talk about language. Let's use language as a way to build the relationship between Tolkien and Edith. Like that was yes. such a great caveat to show how they work, how she challenges him, how they push each other into like silliness and creativity while still establishing how freaking hot Tolkien was at languages. So that was right. a really great moment of like, wow, you're really good at this. As well as tit for tat, I can hold my own against you, Tolkien. Don't get so cocky. I love that. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Trish says that that was one of the things that she liked. Um, Carpenter was not exactly complimentary of Edith in his biography. Trish says, and uh, uh, it, it was it was interesting to see her to see a characterization of her like this, and also to really the the way that it that they kind of got inside her story as well right i mean i think even tolkien fans can kind of forget right yeah. yes tolkien was an orphan and grew up in a boarding house so did edith you know yeah. and like what was her oh, story I, I was gonna and, save yeah. this for later but the i mean one of my favorite bits was where she introduces them to the tcbs <laughs> and then he you know he gets jealous of like oh wait yes. you're having this conversation i can't and she shows him up where she's like yes. how dare you i don't yeah. get to do this i found people who are my mental match and they're challenging me and they're asking me questions, things I'm interested in, and you took it away from me, you bastard. I absolutely yes. love that. So again, you can see how that builds such a strong, wonderful relationship later, because from the very beginning, she can match him. Right. So yeah, right. and she has her moment to shine as well when they go to the, the opera at the, the ring cycle. And of course we get that on the nose, uh, oh, it's a battle for one ring and, and all these things that you can see potentially inspires later. But right. she also gets to show off. You know, she gets to say what she knows about this and why it's important. And oh, yes. I absolutely love that. Yeah, she's not just yeah. a pretty thing on his arm. She's she's really a character in her own right. Yeah, yeah. No, it it was uh, that was uh, very that was remarkable. I thought. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, so I mean, all of these things happening, right? And then I, it, it's 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 been the thing that's been hardest for me is people have been like. Oh, but they didn't do this and they didn't do that. I'm like, what do you want? Holy cow. <laughs> like, they They're never so going to do all things. of it. Yeah. Exactly. So they can't possibly. Do, if we did a different film with his Christianity as the, as the lens, that would be a very different film. And I think it would be fascinating. I would love to see how his faith grows and is challenged and all of that. But that wasn't the lens of this one was. That wasn't yeah. the lens of this one. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And let's, um, uh, Let's actually, I mean, uh, do you mind talking about that? I mean, you've uh, raised that issue and that's, I think certainly the biggest issue that I've heard, the biggest, uh, the, the number one thing, uh, yeah. the biggest thing that I really wanted to address was the issue of his, his Catholicism and, you know, that being absent. This was something Maggie, you and I noticed right away about the trailers, right? We, I, 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 after our discussions of the trailers, I was not going in expecting much about his Catholicism and we didn't get it. Um, and we know that fans were noticing that and more than fans, like whole religious groups were noticing that and writing articles about it and raising it as an issue. And 
I, I recognize that and it's hard to find successful people from this age that you can talk openly about the religion that created fantasy lit and you know, all the things that came after that. So I understand the frustrations. Um, I think it's just kind of become a bigger signpost than it should be because I, I'm a little too uh, simplistic about it and I guess too practical about it. We're like, that's not what the point of this film was. It's something else. Yeah. I'm sorry yeah. it wasn't about what you wanted it to be, but it's not. So get on it. <laughs> well, that's it. I mean, they 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 made they made they had to make choices, and they didn't they didn't talk about that. But here's there are a couple there are two challenges uh, that I would make uh, to to people who have that objection, and I hope that everyone who is watching and listening to me understands my own sympathies. I am a Christian, and I, and I, I I think most people know that I am quite sympathetic to the 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 importance of Tolkien's Christianity to his writing. So I hope everybody knows that that's the personal framework that I am coming from. And yet I would issue two challenges to people who who object to this. Number one, during the time period that they are talking about, what is the impact of Tolkien's Christianity? This is the time period in which his Catholicism was in fact, he went a whole year without even going to mass during the period of time that was covered by this. I mean, you can ease, it's, it is not hard to argue. Like, yes, of course, his, when you look at his whole life and you look at his works and everything, his Catholicism was enormously important to him. But exactly how much did it form him at this period? He yeah. was not engaging with it very much. And I, my sense always of Tolkien's life has been that his Catholicism was very important to him with his mom as a kid, and then also very much after he got married and settled down and, and began to attend mass regularly and had kids. But during this time of his life, it is not at all obvious to me. And when you read his, when, when you read the Book of Lost Tales, it is even less obvious to me. The, the stuff that he is writing in this time show, I mean, there's, there, I'm not saying there isn't stuff there. Like, yes, there's like allegories about purgatory and heaven and hell. He's interested in, 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 in things. It's, I'm not saying there's no interest there, but I'm, but I am saying like, I don't think there is the same kind of storyline here. Um, mm -hmm. And when we're looking at these threads, right, these threads that form Tolkien at this point in his life, the point that the, the, the time in his life that the film is engaging with, his Catholicism is less prominent than it was in other times in his life. I, that I think is simply true. The second thing, though, and this is even more important. I hear people say, why didn't they cover more of his What exactly would you have wanted to see? Yeah. What would have made you happy? People who That's want to see his Christianity, his Catholicism, what story precisely? Like, rather than just saying, oh, it's not there, it's not there, what would you put if you were doing the film? Or even better, even better, please. And I mean this because I'd love to see it personally. <laughs> Tell me, design a film. Give me an outline of a story that, that that does a good job, Maggie, of exactly what you said, like a different film with a different lens. Which I would love to see that. Um, well, but if, if that's the story, but if that's the story you were telling, if my whole purpose was to tell the Catholic story through the Catholic lens, this isn't the time period I would choose. There no, were other periods that were much stronger. So yeah, so I mean, if if their point was to show the coming of age, and they wanted this, which I can see from a professional standpoint and the studio standpoint, that would be more attractive because it's the lesser known story, it's wider appeal, it's the break of World War One. It's all of those beautiful, beautiful costumes and settings of Oxford 1910s. You know, that mm -hmm. is a stunning setting place. Setting place? Setting. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's the stuff that I would have focused in on. And if you want wide appeal and your Fox Searchlight pictures and you're already in indie print trying to appeal to a wide audience, you're going to keep it as broad as you can. So you're not going to focus on the Catholic lens. And if you are, that's not the time period you choose. No, yeah. it's not. But like I said, I think that a lot something could be done with that, right? But mm. what exactly could be done with that? Um, uh, I, I certainly do not think that it could be that the, his, the role of his Catholicism in his worldview and in his writing, I really don't think it could have been jammed into this film. And I would say, I think it would be way worse if it had been jammed half-heartedly in it this film. It would feel jammed, that's the issue. Yeah. Like, yeah, let's I don't get wanna... a random scene of him praying the rosary or something. Like, seriously, yeah. what do people want to see? Um, well, the, and I mean, there's the, over... Sorry. 
No, as, no as, the, the significance, like the the social significance of his Catholicism, was uh, uh, was was present, right? You know, his mom talking about how good the church had been to him, Father Francis, Father Francis, Father Francis was not made into a villain, right? You know, he wasn't made into this like heartless celibate, out of touch with reality. But I mean, his I, that that scene between him and Tolkien when he forbade him to see Edith, I thought was very moving, I, I, and, and, and I was very sympathetic. And it made sense as a as a caretaker, you know, like if that's yes. his role, and and I see that you you're connecting with this girl, and you know, high five. I'm, I'm supportive of that and everything. However, you just got into Oxford, so you need to focus on this. And if you still like her at 21, go for it. So like yeah. that, that's like a, a pretty good middle ground in terms of like I'm your caretaker. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, exactly. It's and especially since again another, and this this is a, an element of Tolkien's biography not often emphasized Tolkien's biggest one of his biggest issues in this period of his life is he was a slacker like he was kind <laughs> of he almost flunked out of Oxford because he was a slacker because he didn't do his work and he didn't he got a second almost a third on his first exam like he almost and then he, flunked his exam and, then he, and he only succeeded because he changed departments and petitioned his way into it by writing 5,000 words on Norse influence on Gawain like that was amazing you have 24 yes. hours to turn this around. That's when we get to see the slight genius though too, because those are the moments that you hang on to of like, wow, he really is incredibly gifted. Like I love it when his friends banded together and said, you're the smartest of all of us. You deserve to be here the most. Amazing. I love that kind of recognition from his buddies. And then yeah. impressing the language guy who was, you know, the one that wrote his the book that he took out from the library. And then the fact that he actually turned around this essay because we presume he did because he got into the department. So yeah, complete yeah. slacker, but when pressed and supported, he could turn around and be the Tolkien that we all kind of hold Absolutely. him up to be on our on our platform. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, and the bit no. with the and the bit with the inklings, uh, the bit at the end, I kind of talked myself in and out of that. Like I like how it ended. I, I enjoyed seeing those words going to page because, you know, in the hole in the ground there was a hobbit. Great, we all know where this is going. That's so lovely that he made it through that. Um, my partner and I were talking, wouldn't it have been cool if he was writing that in the pub and C.S. Lewis walked in and sat down with him? I was like, yes, but that's too on the nose. I don't think I want that. If he was writing it in The Eagle and Child, though, that would have been enough for me to be like, oh, yes. You know, like, bang on, you knew where he was. Yeah, uh, yeah. That, that was the only bit I think I would have slightly changed. But maybe it was a more conscious decision to have him with his family to show that he's come full circle and that's his priority now. He's writing it because yeah. he's surrounded by his family. Yeah, See, talk yeah. himself in and out of it again. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, it's, um, I, I definitely think, um, yeah. Well, I mean, there's, there's so much, certainly there's more that could have been done, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, I can't. And, and so, yeah, I, so just to reiterate my final challenge to everybody who thought that his Catholicism was neglected, like, band together or like get I'd love to have a totally separate session just like a, with a panel of disappointed Catholics to talk through like what yeah. would a good Tolkien's Catholicism film look like I would love to see that film um one uh final plug I've mentioned Brenton's blog and I wanted to actually uh I'll, I'll send it out in the chat here uh and I will put it on um uh, I'll put it on Twitch too uh the um he, he his 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 review that he wrote of the film which was actually a, a guest blog that was posted on a different uh blog uh, a guest post um which i thought actually raised the question really really interestingly in fact he he made what was to me a kind of a mind-blowing connection between fan reactions to, to the tolkien film and to tolkien adaptations in general and uh christian art in general and why like uh, you know, not only why is is, is uh, Tolkien's Christianity discussed less in this film, but why are like there so few good films about Christianity at all? Um, mm. I, it was it to me it was it was just a really mind blowing discussion. So I just wanted to share that. I thought that uh, cool. uh, Brenton's discussion was really really smart there. Um, but um, uh, anyway, so Trish, I I do agree that. Uh, I I also think it was good the Inklings were left out. I didn't miss the Inklings one bit. I mean, yeah. like did like the fanboy in me kind of, I mean, Maggie, as you say, kind of want to get at least a cameo from CS Lung, have him okay. at least 
pass C.S. Lewis in the quad or something, you know? Or, or take know. a book out after him or something. So, that, yeah, <laughs> right. something. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, you know, part of me that uh, shamelessly wanted that. But uh, no, I mean, I, I thought it wouldn't have been the story as it was the post-war, you know, the post-hospital, right, uh, portion of the film was a little bit like a an epilogue, right? I mean, and, and a relatively long epilogue for an epilogue, um, you know, felt a little bit detached from the rest of the film. And I think it was supposed to, right? I mean, like it, it, I think tried to convey that sense of detachment, like the war has happened, you're back and you're, you know, you've, you've lost most of your friends and you're now living your life, but there's this sense of detachment from the earlier wife. And I, you know, yeah. I, I, I thought that that works artistically. Um, Agreed. And, and I thought it really gave the feeling of grief, you know, I mean, his yes. life is never going to be the same. He lost yes. half of his heart literally on that battlefield. So when I was thinking about the religion thing, if you had shoehorned in more elements of religion, you would have lost the time feeling the horrors of war on the battlefield. And mm -hmm. That was so pivotal for me to understand the process, but I think also for Tolkien to get to where he was, that if you didn't have those moments and the desperate moments, hearing his friend call his name, running after him, trying to find him, a little too on the nose was the the minion, Sam, who wouldn't let him. Yes. Sam, really? Yes. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, there were a few moments where I was like, oh, of course. But in general, I mean, I wouldn't have given up any of that, that World War I Battle of the Somme being in the, the pit, seeing, seeing him pass out in that pit filled with water and dead bodies. Oh, my goodness. Just knowing he had to wait there. Like, that, that hit was, more core yeah. than That was one of the most striking visual images of the entire film, that, that yeah. pit. Yeah. And seeing him wrap the scarf around his neck, you could just feel how cold and alone and desperate he was. So I yeah. feel like we needed that to show that the second half is gonna be detached. It's not going to be the warm, optimistic, loving, supportive, joyful thing. It's gonna be hard and we're gonna right. do our best to honor what happened. And I love the line that he says too, of like, um, we all came back, or those of us that came back didn't come back unscarred or something like yeah. that. Like yeah. Yeah. We're, we're dealing with our own injuries. Yeah, absolutely, Oof. absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, Trish was just saying at the same time that the, she was, uh, the 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 Batman Sam was also her uh, uh, an eye roll moment for her oh. uh, absolutely. If um, I can have a moment for those, there were quite a few eye roll moments where I was like, oh god, so, the shoehorn <laughs> is real. Like they definitely shoved <laughs> as many things as they could. Um, I was just looking through some images. Let me share my screen real quick. Um, so I was just looking through these. Can you guys see all the Google images? Yes. Yeah. So this one of yes. you know he, he stands up on the edge of the the trenches puts the cloak over his shoulders and the fires of mordor in front of him and then a dragon comes out of the fire and again i get it it was great i understand the impact but i couldn't help but be like Ugh, yeah. <laughs> right. right yeah yeah I, the, the one thing i would say there about that and that was you know I mean, you may remember that my least favorite parts of the trailer were like the fantasy bit superimposed yeah. over reality, right? Um, the thing that changed that for me a lot, actually, um, within the first five um, five minutes of the film, right? When I discovered that the whole time he, they're showing him there in the trenches, he's actually, uh, He's at, he's feverish already, yeah, right? So yeah. that those those things that's it's like fever visions that he's having, um, and even as we were again discussing it uh, uh, at the bar afterwards um, when we saw the film together, the questions as to whether even like when he goes up over the top and goes out across the battlefield at the end, whether that even happened, like had he already happened. collapsed and is that entire thing a fever sequence in his mind? Um, and that seems to me very likely or very possible uh, that we're supposed to understand it that way. So when I, when I found that that was the case, right? That all of those images like the Balrog face and the, you know, the Sauron or Morgoth standing, uh, I think it was Sauron because he didn't have Silmarils on his hat, but, yeah. um, uh, but anyway, you know, I, all those things, right? When I, and the dragon, as you say, and all that stuff, when I found that he was already like feverish and, and sort of, you know, losing physical touch with reality, I was, I was fine. It was so, that was so much better than merely like, he's really miserable and upset and, and, 
is surrounded by horror and thus retreating into into a fantasy world or making of making the world around him into a fantasy world which i think would have been really belittling and, and insulting and they but they didn't do that they um you know so that that I still wasn't a huge fan of those sequences, but it, it made it a little bit easier for me. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't as bad as like twinkling music and a light bulb above his head. It wasn't that obvious. It was, it was more explainable. Um, mm -hmm. I think that was also, I think the whole film was also helped by the cinematography and the music because the, both of them were absolutely beautiful. So the tone I think was, was very classic period film the whole way through. It was never like, Ooh, inspired by, you know, you don't get these, right. these, cute little kids wearing Hobbit clothes, inspiring him and things like that. You get these really heartfelt, deeper, yes. hitting the core yes. moments that impact and make sense. Um, so yeah, it, it wasn't taking any cheap shots. It was taking some convenient shots that, uh, you know, you kind of roll your eyes at, but the rest of it, I felt really earned. I found myself super entertained. It was really fun to watch. The only things that I started kind of jotting down in my notes of like, what's this, what's with that, was the stuff that moved too fast. You know, it was like, uh, you hadn't seen Edith for the two years that you've lived here and then all of a sudden we're sitting at the table and you think she's hot. Like, I'm pretty sure you guys have lived in the same house for a while. So there were just a few like continuity things. And then there were a few things with their relationship where it was condensed into quite serious quite quickly. But they yeah. absolutely had to do that because they're trying to fit so much into this 90 minute thing. So as we said with the lens and making the decisions, you've got to cut something and you've got to smush some somethings. But the, yeah. pro the positive of that was, I, like I said before, I think everything they kept worked on a few levels. So they didn't have a scene if it didn't hit for certain reasons. So like even when, um, which one was it? Was it Jeffrey, whose father was the headmaster? Uh, no, it was Gilson's, whose father it was, was the headmaster. Gil Gilson. So when he yeah. stands up to his dad and yeah. you know has that triumphant moment, that was to show them bonding. That was to show right. them cutting loose and having a drink and looking at naked pictures, you know, all these things that boys do, but also growing as, as people and, and rising up to challenges and standing up to it and changing their future. Like all those things worked. And that, that should have been four different scenes. And it was one scene that hit four different points. That was very mm -hmm. cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I thought, you know, uh, uh, Gabriel was, uh, uh, Gabriel Schenk was saying earlier that, you know, there could be a criticism for it actually trying to do too much, you know, that oh. it's, uh, you know, is it a love story, an exploration of creative genius, something about fellowship or male bonding, a World War One film, and it tries to do all of those things. Um, uh, he's saying he feels that at times it lacked focus. I agree. I don't think it integrated those things perfectly right it, that, that they're deaf it could have been i don't know if it needed to be longer or whatever or, or if they needed to to, to try to throttle back their <clears throat> enthusiasm but i don't know what i would have suggested they cut uh, of those things i mean i think that they did all those things well enough to more than justify their presence in the film um i just um uh, but i i certainly agree with gabriel if if they made a mistake it wasn't in leaving out too much it was in including too much uh potentially yeah. Um, one, one of the things of the stories, I felt the one of those things which seemed to me, and we've already talked about how much we liked it, the love story, right? What did you think, Maggie, about the the way that ended? I, you know, after the hug, right? She like buries her face in Tolkien's shoulder and is hugging him in the hospital, right? And we're yeah. seeing his face over her shoulder. And from that moment when she goes down and her head, her face goes out of the picture, we almost never see her. You know, like we just see her on the doorstep and she's upset about something. And you know, like it's, there's, it's like a little bit unclear what's happening there. We see her walking in the woods with him, but <clears throat> it doesn't they feel like- mojo. Yeah, it doesn't feel like their story really comes to a a, a satisfying mm. kind of. I mean, they get married off state off screen for crying out loud, right? I mean, it's like they're, they're just sort of married. Now, here was my well, well that's yeah. well, and that's where I and that's where I think the 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 end is separate, and we thought the lens didn't quite work, you know? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. like I said, the lens is for me has always been the relationship and how it pushes them into to where he goes. So it's like they skipped the the bit of us becoming who we actually are. We've got all the setup and then no right. payoff because we've got eight minutes left to finish this film and we have to show him with a shot of him writing about the Hobbit. And instead right. of showing a building up, they show a struggle. And like that's fine, 
because I'm sure it was a struggle for him to overcome writer's block and, and, you know, learn to write and be creative again. But in terms of a filmic story, you never want to introduce a conflict in the last eight minutes of a film. So if, if there's a struggle, it should be a support and a joining of a team. And yes, you've come back from war. You've met your best friend's buddy who passed away and you want to publish his poems. You're finding your feet under the ground. We're going to get married and do this together. And then we move forward positively. I mean, I, it, it didn't throw me because I didn't really think about it until just now when you said that, but in terms of like progression and, and momentum, her sitting on the ground and being pissed at him was valid, uh, but not helpful in terms of storytelling. So no. yeah, I would have shelved it and gone back to let's show this as being a hard chapter, but we're in it together moving forward. Not no. you got to pull your finger out and stop being self-centered because <laughs> that's kind of what it showed. Right. Well, Here's my, here's one theory about the lack of resolution, I guess, to Edith's plot thread, right? To the Edith story specifically. Um, you could read it as actually a very daring kind of move on the part of the film. Uh, daring in this way. The fact is, Edith's Tol Edith Tolkien's story A is not very clear, right? There's a lot of evidence that we don't have about Edith Tolkien's life, um, at least that has not been made public. Um, what evidence that there is suggests that Edith Tolkien, although they were happily married and everything, not trying to criticize their marriage, but she does not seem to have lived a completely happy life, right? The story of Edith Tolkien, does the story of Edith Tolkien have a happy ending? I'm not saying that I, I'm not asserting that the answer to that question is no. I'm saying it's a question that yeah. is is there to be asked, and that and that you know you can make an argument either way. At the very least, she doesn't get the fairy tale ending, you know, in a lot of ways. Especially you know Maggie going back to that scene with their fight that you were talking about, which I also really I thought was a, a a really fascinating and interesting move by them. Um, there are no secret literary societies for me was the line that she said that really like stuck with me. Well, there were never secret literary societies for her. You know, that part of Tolkien's life, I'm not saying he never shared anything with her and, 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 you know, I don't know what their marriage was like and the extent yeah. to which she was involved in what he was doing. She clearly was in the beginning when she was doing, you know, doing fair copies of his, of his works and he was sharing his poetry with her. We get less evidence about that in later days, you know, when he's writing the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings, how involved is Edith? Um, I mean, again, I, I, I'm not, asking that question in order to imply that she wasn't involved at all. I'm saying I don't know exactly how involved she was. But um, we shouldn't be asking that question at the end of the film. Well, see, exactly. But but see, that's the thing, is that to leave the question, so to give them, to if they had closed that plot line, right, the love story plot line, and made it into a happily ever after thing and you know, they'd given it a full resolution so that we see you know edith uh and ronald together you know in this fully resolved relationship that would have been that would have been more unsettling for you well no not more unsettling it would have been more satisfying oh, okay while watching the film but i'm not sure it wouldn't it wouldn't have been less true to life you know, like okay. the fact that that the lack of the very lack of resolution to that plot line seems to me to fit, you know, and the fact that I'm left asking the question at the end. So did Edith in the end get what she was hoping for? Did she get the life uh, that she, she hoped that she wanted? I don't know. Against the point of the film for me. I mean, if we're going to do a biopic and we're going to have a dramatic retelling of an element of his life that's really interesting and engaging, it should be tied up with a, a pretty bow. It doesn't mean it has to have a happy ending, but all of the plots should be circled off and, and sorted. So you at least have a satisfaction at the end. So yeah. opening up to future, sure, but it shouldn't leave you unsettled or unanswered. Yeah. yeah so to me, that that's a failing in the last 10 minutes. Something's missing. I can... Uh... I can get behind that. I just, that. That's why I said I thought it was kind of daring. It would have been easy. It would have been super easy for them to, I mean, how long does it take to show a 15 second 
like w wedding montage, right? I mean, mm -hmm. like seriously, that wouldn't have been hard. Yeah. You don't have to do a full scene. If if he had come back, so we go from the hospital scene and Father Francis being like, she's a keeper, right? <laughs> you know, to Tolkien when it, you know, like if we'd gone from that scene and he's like to like, and now they're married and happily ever after, like, and now there's kids and and the, and even if we had gotten that, like, if the one scene we'd had in between was not the I'm upset with you sitting on the doorstep scene, but like some kind of domestic bliss scene, it'd been fine, right? I, I like the way in which they didn't. I don't know. Again, I'm not a filmmaker. It might be, you know, saying too much for me to be like, oh, how hard would that have been? Come on, that's simple. No, but it's that, simple. That's all, I think no. I think that absolutely would have been simple. But I think that's also a cheesy way out. So I mean, and hey, yeah, I'm all for that. It I is. love a happy ending. Bring out the cheese. That's great. But if you also wanted to introduce what some actual things happen in their lives, I feel like you could just do that in a better way. That little mm -hmm. fight on the back doorstep of get your writing going didn't quite hit. So I would have preferred if it was a little bit more of a matching of the minds like we had earlier on in the restaurant and after the the, the meeting where she, she yells at him. If it had been matched up more with that, where it's not her being pissed off and frustrated and a tired mom, it's her matching him and saying, you can do this, let's do this. That would have felt more like what I picture and what I think we all kind of envision their relationship to be. We don't need to know what happened to Edith because what we're, we're shown in this story is that they're a team and they work well together. And then all of a sudden we have this thing where she's not on the same team and he's not on the same team and she's just disappointed. And that's yeah. not what we should be getting. We should be getting frustration and a, a push. That yeah. got, I, I, I felt like that, that element of it got a little bit resolved in the strolling with the kids conversation, right? The, mm -hmm. the, the conversation that, cause like the, the looks that they exchanged yeah. and the, like encouraging smiles she was giving as he was they telling the yeah. story. Uh, like it, it, it doesn't just leave it. If, if, if that doorstep scene had been the last one we'd gotten, it would have been deeply unsettling. Because <laughs> um, cause I, I do agree with you about that. Um, or I wonder but, if maybe we didn't need the doorstep scene. Maybe it could have just been a, a skip to the woods of I'm frustrated, let's work on this together and pull me out. Right, hmm. right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, but I, I don't, I don't know. Like I said, I'm not sure if it was the, if the intention was to leave that kind of unresolved to leave that a little bit open. I totally, I, I, I hear you that I think it was, it, it did feel, I don't know, like a flaw, but it was definitely a thing at the end that I was kind of a little bit nagged by. Like I, I, I that the, the, one of the elements that they didn't close, I thought they I thought that, you know, the, the thing with, G.B. Smith's mom was a wonderful way to resolve the TCBS subline, uh, you mm -hmm. know, of the story. And then, of course, the, uh, and the way that that then dovetails eventually uh, into Tolkien's own publication. I thought that that flowed really, really well and was done was done very well. Um, yeah. I thought that um, the um, the the. It's not exactly like they came back to the language thing, but to me, the culmination of the language and language and story and things like that was when he's sitting there uh, translating the Battle of Malden for Joseph Wright while war is being declared, right? Um, uh, that was also not quite, it didn't make me cringe, though that was like, you know, Maggie, when you talk about like on the nose moments, right? Like, you know, Tolkien reading from the Battle of Malden while people are celebrating in the, in the, you know, in, in the quad that, that war has been, uh, you know, declared, um, was, was a little bit heavy. There's a lot of those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the fellowship. Oh, that line too. Sorry. I'm off on, on the nose. Oh, though, you know, that was so much better than in the trailer. Come on. Like the way they spliced that into the trailer was super cheesy, but when he finally got there at the end, like it was detached from everything and kind of look, I don't know. Like I, I, I felt much better about the fellowship line um, uh, because it was not, because of the way in which it wasn't just juxtaposed against the TCBS. Yeah, yeah I feel know, like, I mean, like all of my criticisms should be taken with a grain of salt because overall I enjoyed it. There were just so many mm -hmm. points that I rolled my eyes and that's kind of a shame because it's just too twee. The fellowship was not as bad as in the trailer, but it was also interesting to watch the film and the bits from the trailer were almost all smushed together in the same bits of the film. 
the ones that tell me the story, adventure, you know, yes. all that stuff yes. was in the same scene in the film. So they just kind of lifted it and plucked it out. So that bit was a little bit eye-rolly because it was set up, but also probably because yeah. we knew that before. When the word fellowship came, I was like, and there it is. But I don't know how else I would have finished that. Like, that is what had to be delivered in that moment, especially because they set it up with all of these cheesy lines before that that's the payoff I want, but I'm still going to roll my eyes at it. Right, right. No, I I hear that. Yeah. <laughs> that's fair. I hear that. Um, I... Let's see. Oh, oh, so there's another thing I just wanted to talk about, and I'm forgetting. Um, oh yeah. Okay. So let me um, let me give my primary objection to the film. Here's the one thing that I think they did least justice to. I am not sure that I have an answer like if I were to issue myself my own challenge of like what exactly would I have wanted to see and how would I have wanted to see it differently? I'm not 100% sure I can answer that. Uh, but nevertheless, let me state the thing. They did not do, they did way more justice to the relationship between language and storytelling than I ever thought they would even attempt to do. What they did not do justice to was if the if if it was an origin story, if the if the movie is understood as an origin story of Tolkien as an as an author, then I think that that was fine. If it was an origin story of the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings, it was a bad origin story sure. because that is not the story of the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings. Um, the story. This is the reason why, for me, the last eight minutes were the most disappointing because. That whole I disliked the whole conversation with his kids in the woods because of the way in which it gives the impression that a he's written nothing right mm. for years, um, which is of course very much not true, right? If they'd been like more historically accurate, then when they're sitting on the doorstep, Edith wouldn't be like, you know, why are you not writing anything? She would be like, are you still working on that alliterative poem? Come on, man. Right. Like, what's up with that? <laughs> right. You know, so it, it, that, yeah, that's, that's not how it happened at all. And again, I'm not saying it had, it's again, it's not a documentary, but um, the way in which they attempted to depict um, the Lord of the, the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings, A, as a unit uh, and B as like the the, the flowering of all of this unspoken so like all of these things right like his 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 childhood and his love relationship and his friendships and his war experience were all kind of brewing inside him and his and his linguistic studies and 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 love for language all that stuff was good and then comes out you know flowers forth in the lord of the rings and the hobbit um that seems to me more fundamentally at odds with his life than anything else that they said uh, in the film. Um, because like, that is so not how it happened. Um, and uh, um, so that's, that's, that was to me the, the, I, and again, I, it's, it's not like I, I really objected. Like I get the fact the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit is all anybody cares about. It's, you know, um, it's not like I really would have expected them to put more Silmarillion into it. Um, but and there were like some there were gestures at it right like when the, the when he gives joseph wright his notes right about his invented languages and the le and he talks about like writing legends and histories and stuff of the, you know of uh, for those languages and stuff so it's not like no acknowledgement of the fact that he was writing stuff even the stuff that he puts on his wall even his drawings oh, his wall. yeah we see yeah. aragog we not aragog we see um shelob up there and, and also <laughs> yeah not Aragog, yeah. but not Aragog's forebear. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. Um, no, exactly. It's, I mean, it, it's not like they totally skipped it, but I'm not sure how. It, so again, I'm not sure what I would have done differently. I'm not sure how I would have suggested this. Um, but of course, I mean, I guess really what I'm what I'm coming down to is that the origin story of the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings. The reason that I didn't like it is that I love the origin story of The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. Like, to me, the story of how The Lord of the Rings came to be The Lord of the Rings is a much more interesting story than that. It is so much more interesting than, like, the troubled genius scarred by war 
who like can't write, can't write, can't write, and then suddenly brings forth, you know, this work of luminous genius. That's not the story. The actual story is so much cooler. Um, the like the accidental discovery, like the way that he backs into this has no, you know, the way that he starts the Hobbit as this like totally to him sort of frivolous side thing, which has nothing to do with the serious work that he's writing, uh, and the way that it catches on, and how he gets backed into writing a, 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 a you know, a commercial sequel for this, but then that turns into, you know, the mm-hmm. the. I mean, it's, and then all of it comes together, right? Uh, you know, I will tell you the tale of Tenuvio and bam. I mean, that's such a cool story. The way that he discovers, you know, the way that like his story discovers him almost as much as he discovers it, you know, that's a, but obviously it's not like you can do justice to this in eight minutes, right? So yeah, well, Gabriel and I were talking about this in our, our King Arthur and the Inklings class, and we will be talking about it a lot more this week because we're starting on Mallory, but it's very much about like recognizing the foundations that are laid. And I think the Tolkien right. movie did that quite well of, you yes. know, we see them reading Sigrid, we see them, you know, being exposed. He can recite Chaucer off the top of his head. You yes. know, there are these beautiful things that just show how ingrained in his being it is. Um, and then we know what that influenced, but the whole audience for Fox Searchlight Films might not. So you better hit it on the nose and say it's going to be The Hobbit. We yeah. know it's not. There's yeah. so much other exactly. stuff that should have been exactly. in there, but how else yeah. are you going to hit that? No, I, I didn't. Uh, yeah, it's not like I was expecting that they like when he's in hospital, right? That he would be like, "Quick, paper! I must write the fall of Gondolin." Like, I, I, I mean, obviously <laughs> they were not going to do that, right? Yeah. Um, I do wonder how restricted they were on time, though, because they really ended at 90 minutes on the dot and three minutes of trailers. So, like, films rarely do that unless they have some sort of an after contract for TV production or something. Hmm. So I I wonder, like, how restricted they were, because there's no harm except for maybe budgetary considerations to add 10 minutes. So I would have wanted them to spread out some of that relationship building early on with Edith and spread out some of the post-war coming to age of Tolkien, if they wanted to tell that story. Or yeah. I would have ended it in the hospital when father approves, you know? Like, right. Right. That, that weird kind of crunchy bit in the middle doesn't quite fit. So either add 10 minutes and let us kind of sit with it and expand, or cut yeah. it off at an earlier point that shows us there's going to be a next chapter, and thank God he has all of this mythic import that he can rely on to help explain the stuff that he doesn't know how to deal with right now, because we right. all know fantasy really helps process real life. Right. Um, right. But yeah, I think you're right. It, the last eight minutes didn't quite hit on that. It was trying to do it and didn't need to. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, Tony is asking about rights issues. I don't think there's any restriction to them alluding to things. Like, they, you know, like the fall of Gondolin is the title of a published work. Like you can allude Alluding to is fine. Yeah, if they Gondolin. use... Yeah. If they use character names and re, like put place them into the story and we're yeah. supposed to think that Aragorn is a kid that he went to school with and, and match that up, that would be problematic. Yes, but in terms yes. of alluding to a work that exists, there's no harm in that. And to, I, I was thinking about the, the on the nose elements. It kind of felt like it was trying to be too on the nose. Like the Tolkien mm-hmm. family had a say in it. We want you to tell this story. But we know that they had no say in it. They separated themselves yeah. as early as they could from this. So it, it was just kind of interesting to see like how authentic they were and almost to the point of harming the storytelling mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. if they had a little more artistic license, we wouldn't have been left hanging at the end. Yeah. And can I just point, I mean, that that's a thing that's worth emphasizing, I think. Again, but I hear people complain like that, you know, oh, like they messed with the kernel. I was shocked at how much they did not change. Like they yeah. were, in my view, incredibly so far beyond my expectations faithful to the facts of Tolkien's life I mean just think of the kind of choices that are quite common to make you know in adaptations of this kind or uh, because I mean it's not a documentary again it's like it's a biopic it's telling the story of his you know it's it's telling a story of his life Um, you know there's so much they could have changed that they didn't change Oh, they could have made Edith anything. They could have made his friends yes. see different types of people. Like, I, I, I got the feeling for script writing, I don't know the process, so I'll be curious to see if there's anything that comes out after about the script process. But I got the feeling that they literally went through his biography and just put down some bullet points of things that actually happened and then built a script around it. Because it, yeah. it did feel a little shoehorned for most of the film. This is what happens in this chunk. This is what happens in this chunk. 
we have to get from here to there. How are we going to do it? It felt yeah. methodical to the point that I thought it lost a little bit of its natural storytelling ability, but I was still super entertained yeah. and it was fun. And I mean, I don't think it's going to win any Academy Awards, but I'll watch it again. So it's, it's on that line in the middle. It's interesting to think, uh, as you say, that it, it might actually <clears throat> it might actually suffer from being too too slavish to the uh, facts of his life. Mm. Um, yeah, no, I mean it's true. Like yes, like yes, they shifted chronology. Like yeah, they changed. Yes, in the real world, Tolkien and Edith had been married already for a year before he left for war. Like yes, that's that that's how it happened. They, yes, of course, like they 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 like the most obviously sort of Hollywood change to the chronology right was making like the reunion after years meeting between tolkien and edith be like on the day that he's getting on the boat to go off to war right like okay right. yes that's no that's not how it happened no he didn't even go on the same boat with smith smith had been in france for like a year before he went over there um he was the last of the tcbs to go to war um because he stayed at Oxford and finished his degree first because he was poor and had to finish his degree. Uh, and he was really torn about this. You know, all of his friends were enlisting and he felt like a coward for not enlisting and, uh, and instead stuck it out and stayed and they supported him and encouraged him in that and everything. So yeah, like, no, they didn't do any of that stuff, right? They made them all go to war together and they, you know, they, they sort of, they, they shifted his marriage to Edith until after the war to, you know, sort of increase the drama of that. But again, like I had no problems with any of that. Um, and uh, I, and again, and that's it. If that's it, if like that's, those are the yeah. major changes we get from Tolkien's <laughs> life. It's incredible how faithful they were. That's why, I mean, going back to where I was six months ago or a year ago, like when I was just like hating the fact that I was gonna have to someday see this film, um, <laughs> I was, that's what, I, I was afraid they were gonna be doing because yeah too much I was of the really, reinvention yeah yeah i was afraid they were going to completely reinvent stuff you know well, and with, and some of the stuff i've worked on is is like fan service and and fan expectations so we talked earlier when we did the trailer review who is this film for because it kind of right. feels like the fans but you know they're not totally alienating them but it's not totally made up and kind of walking that line and i i always compare uh adaptation to um the first two harry potters because right. the first two harry potters are super authentic. They follow the exact timeline and storyline to the detriment of the film. They're much more boring films. They're very twee and childlike. But by yes. the time the second film had finished, they made billions and knew that they had banked and knew that they had secured their fan base, that they could have some artistic freedom and go on to the third film with Alfonso Cuaron and get all sorts of inventive. Right. We didn't right. have the time right. to do that in Tolkien. So they had to stay authentic if they wanted to get their fans happy on board and come into the film. I think if they had gone completely off story, they'd piss us off. We wouldn't right. tell our friends to go see it. You know, you wouldn't post, you'd be just be these scathing reviews about how they messed up this this legendary man. So right. I, they'd be shooting themselves really. Right, right. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it makes sense. But again, like kudos to them for, I don't know, like for even kind of approaching it that way. Yeah. It's, um, uh, yeah, yeah. There was so much I was afraid they were going to do, um, for which there would be all kinds of precedent in biopics, right? To just like do largely fictionalized <laughs> bits. Yeah, exactly. Just kind of riffing off their lives in in, in some ways. Um, but um, anyway, yeah. So that's uh, uh, I think pretty remarkable uh what where they ended up going and what they ended up doing um i'm trying to think i thought there was another th i know we're starting to uh, run to where we should begin to think about stopping any uh uh tomas is asking great question maggie do you know how how well did the film do financially i can check give me a minute okay. I've, I've i didn't actually uh, look that up um Books yourselves, I'll be right back. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, so I see there are a bunch of people in the questions uh, 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 box talking about, you know, like possibility for a sequel and all that kind of thing. I'd be pretty surprised if we got a sequel to this film. I doubt it's doing well enough that they would pay for a sequel. Um, Not doing that well. Um, <laughs> 
Well, first of all, its budget was twenty million. That's really low. That's that's right it's at really the top low. end for an indie film, but that's really low in terms of anything that would have wide box office release. So, you know, most films that we see in the cinema are fifty to eighty million uh, mm -hmm. budget. Marvel and Harry Potter and things like that are one hundred twenty to one hundred eighty. So obviously, it's much much lower budget, and I imagine yeah. a lot of that went to the salaries for Nicholas Holt and Molly Collins. Mm -hmm. um, and the rest of it probably went for period dress and setting and permits because it was beautiful. Um, right. Opening weekend, it made 2.2 million. U.S. gross is 2.8 million. Gross worldwide is 4.5. So that means it made as much in the U.S. as it did in the rest of the world. So if it's only made 4.5 worldwide with a budget of 20 million, that's not great. Yeah. In terms of financial return. So like financial return, it's not doing that great. Um, reviews are crazy split. I. I did say to Corey, I'm going to make a point of saying something about reviews because I feel very strongly about reviews. Um, yes. Reviews are totally split. If I look at a review, I like looking at Rotten Tomatoes or something like that because it's purely just people weighing in how they feel about something. Um, but reviews never and should never change how you feel about a film. You never know who is giving the assignment to that person to write a review. You never know who's paying that person to write a review. You never know what parent company is in charge of that newspaper to write said review. And you never know who, uh, which audience they're writing for. So I was just saying to Corey before we started, like I was reading headlines of reviews and entertainment weeklies versus New York Times versus Rolling Stone were totally different tones because they're always going to write a little bit towards their audience. So right. take it all with a grain of salt. And it really takes me off when somebody reads a review and then brings that into the cinema as a filmmaker and as a fan. So it, Try your darndest to just have an open mind when you go into a film. Enjoy it. Take from it what you can. And if you want to read reviews later, I often read them later to see if somebody had a different perspective on something that I did or something that I hated that they loved. I want to know why. So I, I think it's interesting to kind of buffer your own experience, but try as hard as you can to not let it change your experience. Yeah. So there's my note. On, there's my PSA on reviews. <laughs> yeah. No, that it makes a lot of sense. I, I mean, I, I, I sometimes think about this when I hear people talking about reviews and, and I'm like, do, you know, those aren't like, what reason do we have to think that those reviews are just an objective assessment of the film? You know, it's, it's uh, anyway, um, the thing that I've seen some reviewers, but so I'm, I'm, you know, I've not done wide reading among non. My, my primary engagement with this film has been within the Tol the online Tolkien community, but um outside the online Tolkien community, the primary thing that I've heard is that it's boring, right? I mean, that like negative reviewers think that it's boring. Um, I guess I don't know quite what to make of that. Like, I don't and know. I can kind of, I know, I guess I can kind of get it. Cause what I was saying of like, I don't think it's gonna win any Academy Awards, but it's also not gonna piss off its fan base and we'll probably watch it again. Like it almost played it a little too safe, but mm -hmm. I think it played it safe well. You know, I, I enjoyed right. it playing safe, but if it had tried a little bit harder, maybe it would have shaken us a little bit better. It's, it shouldn't matter that it's Tolkien. It should tell a really good story. And I think it right. told a good story, but it told it Tolkien's good story. You know, it, it was almost too restricted by the story it was trying to tell, but I still enjoyed it. I just don't yep. think it was anything earth shattering. Right, right. But I'm glad I wasn't yeah. pissed off. <laughs> I'm amazed I wasn't I know <laughs> yeah um yeah so uh, Tim yeah exactly I mean if you if you're not a Tolkien fan and you don't have the context I, I guess like I I don't know I still kind of feel that like there is enough of like a story of interest here that even if you're not a Tolkien fan it you know it would be interesting but I suppose I, there's absolutely no way I can be objective about that. I mean, I've long since lost touch with people who are not what people who are not Tolkien fans think about things like this. Um, and in particular, I can easily imagine that all of the uh, linguistic stuff would be fairly boring for people who don't know Tolkien. Um, what is I'm so I think sorry for them. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm trying to guess what people find boring about it. I mean, the only thing I could equate it to is like when I see a sports film and somebody shows off their like dribbling skills, I'm like, wow. So right. this is a literary film. Somebody showed off their literary skills and I was like, wow. Right. <laughs> I would right. hope 
that's the same thing. But I, yeah, I don't know. I guess. It's a I shame. guess. Yeah. I mean, like that. The the long uh, speech from Joseph Wright about the oak, which I know many people love. So I, I, sorry, I forgot who it was. Somebody was mentioning it earlier. Um, uh, in the chat box today that um, uh, that that was a really wonderful scene. I agree. That was a really, really fun scene. Would people have found that boring, <laughs> right? Uh, like, okay, why do we care about uh, the oak tree? I don't know. I, again, I, whenever you try to, you know, sort of project yourself like this, you'll end up belittling things and I don't want to do that, but it's, um, I, I, I don't think I can do justice to the non-Tolkien night. Uh, reaction to the film so i won't really try but um but that is the main thing that i've heard just that that it's dull um i don't know um yeah. but uh but anyway yeah so um good well we should probably we should probably stop as i don't want to be uh, irresponsible um uh uh in uh taking up people's people's day and everything. Um, I think we should propose that we do this with the film club in a year or so though. See how it sit with everybody. That'd be and, interesting. Uh, dig in. Yeah. Yeah, cool. definitely. Definitely. Well, thanks Maggie for joining me here today for another, uh, another fun discussion of the film. Uh, and, um, uh, and uh, thanks uh, um, everybody who uh, attended here today. I'll keep in mind, we have another event coming up in just about 45 minutes. Trish Lambert is doing her uh, her thesis theater. So you can come back if you're on Twitch, stay here on this same channel and I'll, I'll broadcast it there. Um, but um, uh, but anyway, thanks uh, for coming here today. Yes, uh, and Ryan, this we will be uploading this to YouTube as we always do uh, all of our stuff. So, all right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, yeah. Maggie. See you guys Bye. later. Bye.